The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And as I mentioned last week, I've chosen peaches to represent gentleness. That was kind of always there in my head that somehow we would talk about peaches this month when we talked about gentleness. And for those of you that know me, those of you who know me really well, there's one thing that you know about me, and that is that I do not like peaches. Don't, don't care for peaches. That, that's not even really true. And I've kind of come to grips with this in the last few weeks, the last few months. It's not that I don't like peaches. I'm, I'm kind of just mad at peaches. I'm just, I'm just kind of mad at peaches. And let me tell you the story. About 30 years ago, in fact, I, I remember exactly where it was and, and when it happened, but about 30 years ago, I was at a funeral dinner, and, and we'd gone through the line, we'd gotten our food, and it was time to go through the dessert line. I went through the dessert line, and there in the dessert, on the dessert table was the most beautiful piece of apple pie that I had ever seen. I mean, it was just perfect, this little piece of apple pie glistening, and it had a, a latticework crust on top. And it was just perfect kind of browning on the edges. You could see it was flaky and light. And I took that back to my table and I put my fork through it. And I still remember when I lifted that first piece up to my mouth and I took a bite and suddenly I realized that was a peach pie. I had my mouth set for apple. You know what I mean? I had my mouth set for apple. I was ready for apple and it was peach. It was not what I thought I was going to get. And that silly little event has impacted how I feel about peaches ever since. For 30 years, that has impacted how I feel about peaches. And I know it's totally a me thing and it, it, because I had chosen one thing and I got something totally different and it happened 30 years ago. And it, but every time I see peach pie, I still think the same, that my mind goes right back to that moment. And I get, I'm just mad at, at peaches. And you can scoff at me and you can say, Brad, it's peach pie. Get over it. You know, get, you know what a peach pie looks like now. You know what an apple pie is. Just, just get over it. But, you know, I would say that somewhere in your past, you chose something and you thought it was going to be one thing and it ended up being something very different. And my bet is some part of you to this day says, I will never do that again. And for some people, maybe, maybe that one time, maybe even 30 years ago, maybe you chose gentleness. And when you chose gentleness, along with that gentleness came your trust in someone. And along with that trust came your vulnerability and that was taken advantage of. And it, it, it was that one, in that one moment, it was not what you thought it would be. You thought you had chosen one thing and it was something very different and you got hurt and you said in that moment, I am never going to hurt like that again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know much about gardening. I've never been much of a, of a gardener, but I've been around people who are. And there's one thing I know for sure about gardening and, and about farming. You don't get sweet corn unless you plant sweet corn. 
You know, if you, if, if you plant sweet corn, you get sweet corn. You don't get potatoes unless you plant potatoes. You don't get carrots unless you plant carrots. You don't walk out into your garden or into your orchard one day and suddenly say, where did all these peaches come from? They're there because you planted peach trees. They're there because you allowed peach trees to grow. That's where they come from. And you have to choose to plant the fruit that you want to harvest. You have to choose gentleness. It's not going to happen by accident. And the other part of that is, if you don't make a choice, you've made a choice. If you, choose, if you don't make a choice to choose gentleness, if you don't plant the seed, weeds will grow up instead. And, that, and that's true in your life. If you don't choose the fruit of the Spirit, weeds will grow up. Paul refers to those weeds as the works of the flesh. Do you remember the works of the flesh? He tells us that the works of the flesh, they are evident. They are obvious. You know them when you see them. And among other things, he lists as works of the flesh, fits of anger, rage, envy, jealousy, dissensions, and divisions. And so I just want to say, choose gentleness instead. Choose gentleness. You have to choose what you want to grow in your life. You have to choose who you want to be in your life. You have to choose how you want to impact the people around you. And if you choose gentleness, you will have a greater impact than if you choose the things of the flesh. So choose gentleness. You have to choose how you want to be known. So choose gentleness and let gentleness be your reputation. We're looking at just a few verses today in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 21. If you've got, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, grab one of those Bibles in front of you. It's on page 974. If you've got the, an app on your phone, if you've got the Uversion app, you can follow along. All the notes are right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. One of the things you have to know about this church that Paul is writing to, the Corinthian church, one thing you really need to know is they had problems. This church had a lot of problems. And as Paul writes 1 Corinthians, he's writing about a lot of the problems that they were going through. They, they were at each other's throat at this church. They were at each other's throat. You name it, they would fight about it. And so as we read through 1 Corinthians, they're fighting about worship. They're fighting about how to worship. They're fighting about who can worship. They're fighting about the Lord's Supper, how they should meet around the table. They're, they're fighting about that. They're fighting about who's in charge. <clears throat> they even fight about who they're going to follow. You follow Peter. I follow Paul. Well, I, I follow Jesus. I, I'm better than the rest of you because I follow Jesus. They're even being divisive about that. They, they will fight about everything. And so Paul is writing to clear up some of their arguing, but he's also writing to prepare them because he says, I'm going to come for a visit. And so he asks them, what kind of people do you want to be? What kind of church do you want to be? Do you want to be known as a church that is fighting and bickering and, and picking on one another and gossiping? Or do you want to be known for something else? Do you want to be known for something better? How do you want me, and Paul's asking, how do you want me to be when I come to you? When I come to visit, how do you want me to act? Do you want me to be kind? Or do you want me to be hard? Do you want me to be difficult? Because the choice you make of how you want to be known that would impact who Paul would be when he would come. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 14, Paul says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. 
For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the Gospel. I urge you then, be, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of those arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? I think you hear Paul's heart when he writes these words. He says in verse 14, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. We don't use the word admonish much anymore. That's not one of our go-to words. It means I do not write these things to, to, to um, I do not write these things to, to make you ashamed, but to teach you. I write these things to instruct you. I write these things to warn you, to correct you. I'm writing these things to correct you because you are on a wrong path. And if you continue following this path, it will not take you where you want to be. So I'm not writing just to tell you you done screwed up. I'm not writing just to tell you where you messed up, but, but uh, that, that, that you're a sorry excuse for a church. I'm writing because you need to fix this now before it gets worse. And you hear it in his heart in verse 15. He says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the Gospel. He's saying, I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be authoritarian. I I chose to be a father to you. And I want you to hear the way he intends it because it might be that we hear this through the through the sound of our own fathers, rather than what Paul is saying. He says, I chose to be a father rather than a guide. Now in in the Roman Empire, they had a a group of slaves. They had a a certain cast of slaves, and these slaves were educated. These slaves were were teachers. They, They could teach you math. They could teach you writing. They could teach you reading. They could teach you all kinds of things. They had educated slaves. And if you were wealthy enough, you could hire one of these slaves, one of these guides, to come to your house and to teach your children. And they they would give them a, a very good education. But they were still simply guides. They were still simply hired. They were not invested in the lives of the children. Not like a parent. Not like that kind of relationship. This past May, in Colorado, Kathleen Demlo passed away. She was 80 years old. Kathleen Demlo did not make the news because of anything that she did that was newsworthy during those 80 years. She made the news because of her obituary. Her obituary was written by her two children, Gina and Jay. And in that obituary, among other things, they wrote this. She married Dennis Demlo at St. Anne's in 1957 and had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Lyle, and moved to California. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were raised by her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Schunk. 
She passed away on May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay. And they understand that this world is a better place without her. Now, understand I'm not defending that obituary. I'm not defending the writing of this obituary. I think it's awful. But you can't help but notice that choices were made. Certain choices were made at some point, And the choice was not to be a parent. The choice was not to nurture. The choice was not to earn the respect needed to offer admonition, to offer correction, to offer a, a better path. There was no choice for the fruit of the Spirit. And in the end, there is no gentleness seen in what was left. Paul says to the Corinthians, I made a choice about how I would come to you. And I would not come to you with fits of anger. I would not come to you with jealousy or strife or divisions. Those things which actually were part of the character of the Corinthian church. He said, my choice was to come to you as a father. As one who could correct you. As one who could put you on the right path. One that would build a relationship rather than building walls. And one that would be marked by gentleness. And so choose gentleness. Choose how you want to grow. And choose gentleness. You see, you read this passage, and it's not just that Paul chose to come as a father. The Corinthians had a choice to make as well. How were they going to receive him? How were they going to receive Paul? What kind of people did they want to be? How did they want to grow? When our kids were little, <laughs> we used to give them choices. Did you ever give your kids choices? You have a choice. Oh, Megan hated it when we said you have a choice. She hated, I don't want to choose. We have a choice. How you want to learn from this? How do you want to grow? Do you want to be corrected or do you want to be disciplined? She hated making those choices. She's not here to defend herself, so that's why we talk about her. Do you choose correction or do you choose punishment? How do you want to grow from this? Paul's already said, I chose to be a father to you. I chose to come to you as a father. And he says, that's why I sent Timothy. If you, if you read in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul refers to Timothy as my true child in the faith. You, you hear the relationship. You're my true child in the faith. You hear the nurturing that's there. You hear the, the relationship. You, you, you even hear the admonitions in his letter to Timothy. And so in verse 17, Paul says, that's why I sent you Timothy. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. In other words, this isn't about you. This is what I do for everybody. Timothy didn't just come to bring the message from Paul. He came to bring his spirit and to show them this, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when you choose relationship. This is what it looks like when you choose gentleness. And so he tells them in verse 16, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. I urge you to be imitators of me. I urge you to do it. Do it like me. Imitate me. You know, you read all of Paul's letters in the Bible six times, six times in all of his letters. He says, be imitators of me. Do it like I do. 
Even in the book of Acts, as, as he's on trial, Paul says, I wish everyone was like me. I wish everyone had gone through the things I've gone through. I wish everyone had the kind of commitment I have. We don't say that anymore. We don't tell people to be like me. We don't tell people, follow my example. We tell people instead, we say, hey, I am a mess. I am a wreck. You do not want to end up like me. Consider me a cautionary tale. You don't want to follow my example. We're much more likely to do that. Don't look at me. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. But Paul, in humility, with that fathering spirit, Paul said, be imitators of me. That's why I sent Timothy. Because he's my true son in the faith. Because he, because he looks like me. Spiritually, he looks like me. I think one of the biggest issues facing the growth of the church in the next generation, I think one of the biggest issues facing the growth of the church in the next generation is where are our examples? Where are our examples of what, of what good Christians look like? Who's going to show us how to live this life? I don't know how many times I've said it to my friends. I've said, just show me one person who gets it right. Just show me one person who, who can live this life. I think we're producing a generation that just wants to argue. I think we're producing a generation that goes into to fits of anger, that goes into divisions. I think we're seeing churches becoming more and more divisive. I think we're seeing jealousy and envy from big church over here and a little church over there. We're seeing all kinds of divisiveness and, and envy and jealousy. And so if we, if we produce a crop, if the next generation produces a crop where the Christians don't know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, what are we going to blame? Are we going to blame the crop or are we going to blame what got planted in them? Are we going to blame that the, the, what was produced? Or are we going to say, well, there was no example? There were no examples of, of godly churches for them. There was no example of people who were actually living this life. And so Paul goes on in verses 18 and 19. He says, Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of those arrogant people, but their power. There were apparently some who were acting like Paul was not going to come visit. There were some who thought that Paul's probably too busy. He's not going to come visit. And the last thing he'll do is write two letters to us that will end up in the Bible and everybody will get to read about all of our problems. That'll never happen. And Paul says, I'm going to come visit you. Just wait till your father gets home. You ever hear that? Just wait till your father gets home. And in that moment, you don't know whether to pray. Maybe he doesn't come home. Maybe I don't have to deal with this. Maybe I don't have to, have to be corrected in this. What happens if he doesn't? So Paul characterizes their attitude with the word arrogant. It is a fun word, by the way. I mean, in English, it just means arrogant. But in Greek, it's a very literal word. <laughs> he says they're just bags of gas. That's what it means. They're full of air. They're full of wind. You're just a big bag of gas. He's like, that's what they are. They're arrogant. Arrogant. They're, they're full of air. And so he asks, how do you want me to come back to you? How do you want me to visit you? He says, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod to beat the air out of you? <laughs> Shall I come with a rod to, to poke holes in you? Or shall I come with gentleness, 
Do I come to teach you? Do I come to lead you? Do I come to guide you in the image of Christ? In the fruit of the Spirit? Later on in this letter, he returns to the word arrogant. You seem to like that bag of gas. Yeah, he returns to that later in chapter 13. You remember 1 Corinthians 13? The love chapter? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It is not full of gas, and it doesn't empty itself of gas. <laughs> love is not arrogant, it is not rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful. That attitude that says, I don't need a father, I don't need relationships, I don't need you. There's nothing of Christ in that attitude. There is nothing of love in that attitude. And it sounds an awful lot more like the works of the flesh. And so Paul asks, in your heart of hearts, in the core of who you are, what do you want? And his hope, his plea, is that you will choose gentleness. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Choose gentleness. It's, it's a choice. It is a choice. It may not be who you have been. Just honestly. Gentleness may not be who you have been. It may not be who you are now. But you have to choose how you want to be known. You have to choose what kind of reputation you want. Choose gentleness. You have to choose how you want to grow. Do you want to grow in arrogance? Do you want to grow puffed up and full of your own air? Or do you want to be teachable? Do you want to look for, to others as examples of the character of Christ? Do you want to look to others as, as examples of the fruit of the Spirit? Then choose gentleness. This past summer, I spent a lot of time grilling this past summer, and, and I tried a lot of new things. I mean, it was so hot out, you know, it was, it was really hot, so it just got better for us if we just cooked outside. So I'd cook out on the grill just about every night and kept the house nice and cool, didn't have to run the, didn't have to run the oven in the house. And so I tried a lot of new things on the grill this summer, and I remember one night I was flipping through some recipes on my iPad, and I was flipping around, and something caught my eye. And it went by me, and I went back, and I looked again. I saw something I'd never seen before. Grilled peaches. Grilled peaches. Now, I don't like peach pie. To this day, I don't like peach pie. But here's what I learned. If you take a peach and you cut it in half and you cover it in butter, follow me now, you cover it in butter and you set it on the grill and then you put brown sugar on top of it and you let that thing kind of do its thing for a while and then you take it off the grill after it's got the good grill marks, after everything looks good, you take it off the grill and you put a, you put a scoop of vanilla ice cream on top of it. You know what? It's edible. It's really, really good. Trust me, it is delicious. But I don't like peaches. What I learned was I didn't like the way I'd had peaches. I'm not a gentle person. You might be thinking to yourself, I'm just not a, a gentle person. You know, maybe the gentleness you tried before wasn't really gentleness. 
or maybe now that you've grown, maybe now that you've gotten some experience, maybe now that you've got the support of a loving church that will show you what gentleness looks like and will treat you with gentleness, maybe gentleness looks different now than it used to. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. What if today gentleness looked different than it used to? What if the gentleness you show now tastes different? What if knowing who you are now and knowing our strength and knowing our support, what if you chose gentleness today? Choose, choose gentleness. Will you stand and pray with me?